Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. How are you doing? Doing well. Sitting here looking out the window as the, the snow melts in East Tennessee. Uh, I know you're glad you made it home. Yep, we've got a travel story that's too long to even get into on this podcast, but it was awful. And uh, like you said, I'm just happy to be here on Tuesday. Tried to get out uh, at 7.30 in the morning in Orlando on Sunday. And I didn't get home until about 3 p.m. yesterday on Monday. So it tells you how it went. For for comparison, uh, Derek Derek, uh, had a flight. I drove to Orlando and I got back the night before he did. So that just that (laughs) sums it up for Derek right there. But uh, we're going to jump right into 2022 the right way, Derek. We're going to do some mailbags to start this year off. Obviously, Kentucky goes to LSU tonight, so we're recording this on Tuesday morning. So we're going to get a basketball mailbag up early for you today to kind of take you through anything that you uh, that you want to talk about. And there's a lot of topics. I know Shaden Sharp's going to be in this mailbag. Uh, Kentucky's strong play as of late. So let's just jump right into it, Derek. You see anything on my tweet that you want to start with? Yeah, let's start with Kyle's question. He said, in your opinion, what has led to the massive change in the offense since the Notre Dame game? And for a reference, Sean, just to uh, recap how good Kentucky's been offensively since that game, I think they were like 22nd nationally in Ken Palm after that game. They're up to eighth now. And since then, they've scored 98 points, 95 points, 83 points, 92 points. So what do you think the change has been there? I think a lot of it is just the flow of the game is there there's a better flow offensively obviously they're hitting shots now that they weren't hitting in that Notre Dame game and before that I mean Kellen Grady is on a heater right now Derek that that alone is going to to raise your offensive efficiency what is it 20 of 31 from three over the last few games was it is it the last four he's shooting 20 of 31 let me check that out I believe I believe that's the number I know he was seven of ten against high point two of five against Missouri and I think he hit uh seven in one of those other games leading up to that but I think that is the biggest thing is just shots are now falling in, but they're, they're, they play, they look relaxed on offense. They, they're not stagnant at any point. They're pushing the pace. They're scoring in transition. Ty uh, Ty Washington's doing his thing, knocking down shots. Kellen Grady's knocking down shots. Savir has been really, really good. I know he had that first half against high point where he wasn't, uh, but th- this looks like a team that is starting to figure out how to gel together offensively. Yeah, and you are correct. Uh, Grady is 20 of 31 from three since the Notre Dame game. Um, that, that right there helps your efficiency a ton when you when you got a guy that's on a heater like that. No doubt. And following up with another question from Kyle, uh, speaking of Grady, he says, given the recent success with Grady, how many threes should he be taking a game? I mean, he's, 10 seems to be the sweet spot, honestly. Like, I, I would say if they're good shots and they're not forced, then 10. I think 10 is a good number because Derek, he, he's to a point now where he's going to hit five of 10. I mean, he's going to shoot well, yeah. 50%. And, I mean, he hit seven in 25 minutes against high point. And, and I was talking about him. Um, I, I recorded that single, that solo episode yesterday. And when you go back and you look at his numbers at Davidson, he, he took a lot more twos. And that was probably because he had to do more. The same way that we talked about Xavier Wheeler having to do more at Georgia. When he got to Kentucky, I, I honestly, a lot of people are saying, well, why didn't he shoot the ball early in the season? And I think it, even though he knew he was a shooter, I still think that you saw that new team, who am I, who are we problem present itself until now. And I think roles are defined now. And honestly, he has bought into being a three-point specialist because that's what he is. 
I mean, 76 of his 102 shots have been from three-point range. Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, he – especially I think you've seen the evolution a little bit too. I think it was against high point. He was coming off screens kind of mid-air, kind of adjusting his body, uh, kind of shooting, you know, on the move a little bit more than than I think what he was earlier in the season, and he was still knocking him down. I mean, he just got in his own. You could tell against uh, – even had a four-point play against high yeah. point. So let's finish up. Uh, Kyle had one more question right here. It seems like Keon is at his best offensively when he operates in that 15-foot range. Can Toppin do the same, or should he try and step out and hit one to two threes a game? I mean, right right now, if it's uh, if it's not a Kellen Grady three that you feel good about, it's a Keon Brooks 15-footer. I mean, he I know that that shot was a big topic in the offseason for us that we wanted to see Kentucky get away from across the board, but Keon's been very good at that. And he kind of adds some spacing at that fourth spot, even if he's not able to stretch it out to the three-point line. But with Toppin, I don't know. I don't know if that's that's as much Toppin's game. I think Toppin's game is more of a high-energy guy, uh, go grab an offensive rebound, flying for a dunk, uh, defend his tail off. You would like to see Toppin shoot the ball better. Uh, I don't know, but I, I, I think that that is what is so intriguing about this team right now is after Western – I thought that Toppin needed to play more minutes. I think a lot of us thought that. And then Keon goes and plays the way he did against Missouri. I'm starting to think that that position is going to be interchangeable as the entire year goes along. I don't think that either one of them are just so good that they're just going to take a ton of those minutes. I think it's going to be a by-committee spot. And when you put those two together, the way that they do things so different, it's a pretty solid four position. I agree with that, especially on the point that as I was with you, with, with what you saw from Toppin against Western, you're like, man, I, I was actually looking at the uh, the other day uh, or before the Missouri game. Yeah, I covered that one in person. I was kind of checking out the thing. I kind of thought Toppin might be in line to start that game. I don't know if anyone else had that thought, but I was actually kind of interested to see. Yeah, he went with Keon, and Keon's had two very good games since then. So I'm with you. I think it's just going to be – the thing about Keon too, Sean, I think you kind of figure out early in the game too what kind of game he's going to have. Would you yeah, agree with that? You, you do. Uh, you can. He's one of those guys that body language kind of tells it all, too. Uh, yeah. When he gets an early foul or something goes wrong, and that's where Toppin comes into play. Uh, you saw it in the Western game. Keon got in some foul trouble, uh, was struggling early, then Toppin goes in with a high-energy play. Uh, and I, I think that that's the four spot. I think that's what it's going to be in January, I think that's what's going to be in February, and I think it's what's going to be in March. Is they're they're each going to have their moments, and there's going to be nights where I think that they both play well, and then you've got it all working. Uh, but they they don't just have that true four that's just kind of claiming that spot, in my opinion. I, th- I think it's going to be a by committee thing, and then you could probably throw Bryce Hopkins in there in a pinch if you need him. And you, and you never know with COVID protocols mm-hmm. and all that stuff of how rotations play out. I mean, you've. Uh, Lance Ware was pretty much not playing at all, and then he's kind of carving out a role now behind Oscar the last few games. Well, Cal really wants that for Lance Ware. I'll say that. he. Uh, I think it was after that Missouri game. He, he really had a lot to say about uh, Lance Ware. I like this question right here. This is from Matt. He says, seems like this team has come alive recently thanks to faster tempo, better ball movement, and the right people shooting the right shots. What do you see as the biggest potential Achilles heel for this team now that they appear to have fixed a lot of their issues? A tight game. I I just want to see how it goes in a tight game. Like the last few games have been what? They've been pretty comfortable throughout the entire game. Yeah, I know 
Western made a push there right early in the second half, and then the second half was all Kentucky after that. Missouri had some runs of their own. I want to see a tight game, and I want to see if bad habits start to to show when they get in that pinch where a guy has to say, okay, I have to go get it now. Because that's the thing that we still don't know about this team, right? We, we saw them just route Carolina, and that was their, their toughest competition until tonight. So we don't know what this team does against a good basketball team. And I, I want to see it. I hope that this – I said it yesterday. Some people listen to this probably like, no, why would you say you hope it's a close game? Because I want to see some of these things answered. Uh, who do they play through in the final four minutes? You know, who who dives on the floor for a loose ball in the final minute 30? I want to see those things. And I, I think that could be a potential Achilles heel is that they've identified roles, but have they identified roles in late game situations? They have not had that opportunity since Notre Dame. And let's face it, Notre Dame, they played through Oscar because that was the only guy that played well. Like, they tried to post him to win the game late. Will they do that again in that spot? I don't think so. I think it's going to be a tie-tie. I think it could be a Grady off some of that floppy action. Uh, I think that's the the biggest Achilles heel right now, and it's not a permanent problem. I think it's just that they need to go through those situations now, and they're going to in league play. I mean, that that schedule is tough. You saw the net rankings. There's so many quality win opportunities here that this team will be tested over the next six to eight weeks. Yeah, I believe that thing you sent me had, what, 10? quad one opportunities right now left on the schedule so plenty of chances um and you were talking about playing a close game tonight's game against LSU Brandon asked would beating LSU be a statement game uh and then his second part was should Grady take 23s a game you said 10 (laughs) earlier so just for this first part would beating LSU be a statement game I think so it it would because that would be the first one that I think they truly could say hey that that's a really good win uh, North Carolina's not a horrible win. I mean, it obviously qualifies as a quad one on a neutral floor. Uh, but I, I still think that this one, it, it's a it's a league game. LSU, you're going to get their best shot. I, the, the environment's going to be, I think, rowdier than it was at Notre Dame. I know you were in South Bend, so I would fully expect LSU to be rowdier than what it was that day. Uh, and, I mean, you need to get a leg up on league play. I mean, if you lose a game or two early, you could find yourself behind Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, some of these other teams in the league. But as for Grady shooting 23s, look, if you're 7 of 10, yeah, why, why not? I mean, if, if he gets 15 open looks, you know, fire him. If he, if he gets 20 open looks, fire him. I don't think Cal is going to put uh, a stoplight or anything on, on, on Kellen Grady's three-point range because uh, the way he's shooting right now, Derek, if he sees the basket, he's got to pull it. Yeah, and speaking of LSU, this is a team that's coming off its first loss of the season. Uh, they played last Wednesday at Auburn, lost 70-55. to 55. But before that, they had quite a few top 100 wins, Belmont, uh, Penn State, Wake Forest, Ohio, and Louisiana Tech. So it's not like they were beating, you know, great teams. But they they have more quality wins, though, by Ken Palm uh, than what Kentucky has coming into the season, although they don't have a win as high as Kentucky's, which as of now, North Carolina's 30th. Um so they, this is a team, too. LSU's got a really tough stretch coming up. It would really be good for uh, Will Wade to uh, get a win over Kentucky. It's always good for a fan base in the SEC, I think, to get that win. And, hey, for UK's perspective, too, you know, after this game, they played Georgia and Vanderbilt, two of the worst teams in the league. Although Vanderbilt, I think, is playing better than was expected, but Georgia is awful, 216 in Ken Palm, just, just a terrible basketball team. And, and Georgia got a vote for a top five in the AP poll, which was clearly a mistake. 
had to have been Gonzaga, right? It, it was. Uh, when, when you go look at the ballot, it it, it should have been Gonzaga because they had them fifth. <laughs> so, I mean, you might be facing a Georgia team here on Saturday that is coming in with three straight losses with those games being against East Tennessee State, Gardner-Webb, and Texas A&M. So that kind of tells you how things are going for Tom Crean. All right, let's go back to some more questions here. Uh, let's go to uh, Adam Caldwell. we got a little controversial – that's not a controversial question, but – one that I know people like talking about at Kentucky. We want the best players to play the most minutes. So if Dante Allen was from another state, would there be all of this controversy about playing time? So odd. No, no, there wouldn't be there. There wouldn't be He He wouldn't even, uh, the fans wouldn't even mention that he plays one or two minutes or, or, or no minutes. It's and and that's the thing. I mean, obviously, this state they, they want, they want to root for the Kentucky kid. And if one's on the roster on scholarship, it, I mean, they, they want to cheer for their own, right? That's not – that doesn't mean they're not cheering for Ty Ty Washington just as hard or Xavier Wheeler, but they they want the Kentucky kids to do well. And uh, and I think that it makes it harder with Dante, too, because he did have his moments last year where he had some success. Mississippi State, obviously, both games. And it, it just makes it harder to, to kind of watch and see, you know, what happened. But, look, the, the roster's better this year. This is a better team than what last year was. And it's just, it's just different. And at the end of the day, they're 11 and two and they're, they're climbing in the rankings they're climbing in the net, the, in Ken Palm that it's working out. So honestly, honestly, right now, like don't mess with it. It doesn't matter. You could probably take this question a step further too, and say, if Dante wasn't from Kentucky, would Kentucky have been as interested in him as a high school recruit? If Dante wasn't from Kentucky right now, making some NIL money, would he still even be on this roster? What he had thought about transferring? Uh, after last season or what do you have thought about even here at the holiday break with how the obviously the trend is is was going that you know he was still is like he's not going to play that much but he's still been here if that were the case so uh but the to answer adam's question no i don't i don't think people would make a deal of it at all and especially if grady's going to be hitting threes because like last year they struggled so bad shooting the ball that you could see a clear role for allen this year not a clear cut for him, and they were and they were so bad across the board last year that it didn't make sense for Cal to not play him. Yeah, you know, once it good. once it got to January, it was like, why aren't you playing this kid? No one's playing well. Yeah, and then he goes out and he played great in Mississippi State, and that kind of, you know, I'm, I'm sure Cal was like, oh, you know, this probably doesn't look good now that <laughs> the kid goes out there and, <laughs> and blows up when uh, everybody else has been playing poorly. But no, don't don't they has his flaws. Uh, he's not shooting the ball well. He, he's had opportunities late in games in that non-conference schedule, and he, he did not take advantage of it. Adam's got another question. He says, this team seems very unselfish, sharing the ball, playing hard, and finishing the game strong. How much higher of a ceiling do they have? That's a really good question. That is a really, really good question because the way that they're playing right now, I mean, it, it's – it's one of those things where you're like, God, I hope I hope they don't peak early if you're a Kentucky fan. and. I don't think that they have because I still think that Ty Ty Washington has a ton of room to grow in his game. And that's a guy that you're seeing getting more comfortable now, Derek. And uh, I think he'll be the guy that we're talking a lot about. And once we get that next game where they get tested late, does he deliver? And I think that is where you're wanting to see this ceiling go a little higher is who's that closer. And I think that's who it's going to be. But they still got pieces that are they're getting comfortable and figuring things out. I mean, Oscar, Oscar continues to do his thing. Xavier's doing his thing. But a lot of these upperclassmen, like how much better can Kellen Grady get? 
I don't know. I mean, he's shooting the lights out. How much better can Xavier Wheeler get? I don't know. But the team chemistry, the things that they do, I, I think that they can continue to improve and get better uh, at execution and things like that. But as far as individual players, I, I think Ty Ty's where it starts for the ceiling. If he continues to climb, as he climbs, the ceiling climbs as well. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, here's a question from four in a row. And this is going to get into another topic, which there was some news here recently. He says, I love Wheeler, but how much run do you think a guard combo of Shaden Sharp, Tata, and Grady could get? So real quick, uh, Kyle Tucker of The Athletic reported yesterday that Shaden Sharp, uh, you know, he enrolled early and he will begin practicing with Kentucky on Thursday. So on Friday, Cal had the quote that said, let's get him in shape and go from there, speaking of Sharp. And he said, but there was never a plan to play him. I left that out there so everybody would panic, but there was never a plan to play him. So real quick, before we answer the question from four in a row, what do you make of that comment from Cal? Uh, they're playing good basketball now. <laughs> I think it's easier. <laughs> I think it's easier to to say something like that because they're playing so well that. But look, you and I both know if this team wasn't playing well right now, it would be very easy to to say, "Yeah, Shaden's going to play. Shaden's going to help us. He he can come in and do some things." But I still think he's going to get his opportunity. I just don't think it's going to be an instant number one consensus player comes in and starts or plays 25 minutes a game if he plays I still think it will be in spots but with COVID and all these things with protocols you never know when you might need him you want to get him ready and things but uh, the thing that should be made known about Shaden Sharp is he's not a very good ball handler so that's where you know Ty Ty Washington if, if there is a lineup that includes him and Grady and Sharp Ty Ty is going to have to be your primary ball handler in that lineup is that where he's going to be most comfortable? Like I, I see a guy in Tata that continues to get comfortable off the ball. I think he's getting more comfortable with the ball. And uh, if that game rounds out and rounds into play, then I, I think you could see see that lineup. But I don't think it's going to eat up 25, 30 minutes. Like it looks, Xavier Wheeler is just the way that he sets the table with the assist uh, and, and things like that. He, he's on – I mean, he, he could very well be an all-SEC player when, at the end of the season. Like that, that guy's going to continue to play a ton. I think another thing to consider here with Shaden is how good of a teammate he might be because, well, I shouldn't say it that way. I guess at this point in time, what kind of role does he want for himself? Because I think if he's in a very controlled setting where you kind of lay it out beforehand that, hey, you're going to play a certain amount of minutes 
until you kind of get used to this thing. And maybe he, he takes it and proves that it needs more, or maybe it's a bit of a struggle, but he still gets some experience. I wonder from his end, if he wants to be in a, come into a team that as one of our, uh, listeners mentioned earlier like roles are being defined right now so that would be adding another guy that we wouldn't quite know that much about would he be willing to kind of take on a a role that maybe plays 10 minutes a game gets a few shots here and there or does he just want to wait until next season when it would seem likely that his role on next year's team will be you know he'll probably be one of the top players on next year's team so well that's something I think we can't answer yet but I would be I would be interested from from his perspective if, if he would be interested in something like that or if Cal would be interested in something like that if he does play, like let's say that they make the decision here in the next couple of weeks, because that's when I think that it's made. Like if if he doesn't start playing by the middle of January, then I don't think that they'll play him at all this year. Like if you get into February, unless they just need him. But the way that they're blowing teams out, and I think that they're going to win some league games against the Georgias and, and some of those teams where they're going to get comfortable wins – like you saw a lot of young guys get PT the other day against High Point. You, you've seen it in other games. I think that would be a perfect opportunity that if you are going to play him, you give him some run. If you can, you can blow out a team or two, give him a stretch of seven to eight minutes and kind of see what he does against that competition and then get him more comfortable, and then you can kind of go from there. Uh, but there, there's one guy that certainly needs to play well, in my opinion, to keep Shaden Sharp out of the rotation, and that's Davion Mintz. I know we were talking about uh, Wheeler a second ago, but I, I think Mintz is the guy that if, if he finds a shot, then you don't have to go to a sharp as much. But let's let's say Mintz has a stretch of play where he doesn't play well, then I think it becomes easier to play a shade and sharp because right now they're essentially playing four guards when you throw Mintz in. If he's not playing well, I think it makes it easier for minutes to be available. Got a couple of recruiting questions here. This one from Rob. Much has been made of UK's inability to sign five-star bigs. Should they readjust their strategy to a mature college-ready big from the portal who has the body to play right away? With shooting being emphasized, UK just needs a garbage-slash-cleanup-style uh, big to board, post, and defend. If, if only there were Oscar Sheboys out there every single every year. Every year, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is uh, – no, I, I don't think that they need to, to adjust. I think that they still should go after the five-star bigs, even though that they're not – getting and landing those guys I mean at some point they're going to have to break through and get one now that the staff is new and Teague was there uh, I want to see this recruiting cycle play itself out and see what happens with that but I still think that the portal is going to be a very good thing to fall back on and uh, you can get a college ready big and and that that's a good insurance policy right even if you don't get the number one number two number three player or, or number three or position that's a big you can go get a portal guy they can kind of anchor that thing for you. But I don't think that they should necessarily change the approach because I still think that they need to target those pieces. John, just ask any recruiting updates. And honestly, the only recruiting update I can even give is not really an update. But has Reed Shepard been at like every single UK home game this year? Because it feels like he has been. Reed Shepard has lived in Lexington, it seems like, for the last couple yeah. of weeks, whether uh, playing in the high school classics or or you're getting to Rupp Arena. But, yeah, that – no, no recruiting updates on my end. Uh, you're getting into that time of year now into the second semester. Obviously, the, the talk is all about Shaden Sharp right now. But as, as we move throughout the second semester, I think that there will be a lot more recruiting news uh, as, as visitors and stuff like that. And, and then especially into the summer. You remember that period last year, we had no info to even talk about 2022 because nothing was happening. And then all of a sudden, 
the dam breaks. And the next thing you know, that's all we're talking about. So we'll, we'll end up getting to that period pretty soon. Our buddy Trey here has uh, no questions that I can see, but four talking points. <laughs> he says, one, Grady needs to shoot 10 to 15 times a game. Uh, you agreed with that earlier. Two, Mintz needs more playing time. What do you think about that? If he's playing well, yeah, if he's playing well. And and I think that, honestly, he's a guy that feeds off more playing time. If, if you give him some run, there's been a couple of games, Derek, where he's not got in until like the nine-minute mark of the first half, and I think it's been hard to establish a rhythm doing that. Uh, but, but that's a guy that continues to, to, to lower his head and do his job and, and not complain. And uh, he's going to win them a game or two in league play with a moment or a stretch of play, I think. that That is a guy that – I could see – you remember the Jamal Baker game a couple of years ago in the NCAA tournament where he came up big. Davion Mintz is a guy that when he gets in that NCAA tournament, I think could have a moment like that that kind of saves Kentucky or uh, gets the ball rolling for him off the bench. He also says um, Wheeler should never shoot a three again. So an update <laughs> through uh, – oh, they played 13 games, I think. Yes, 11 and 2. Okay, so through 13 games, he is shooting 17%, which is uh, – we talked about all summer that he just needs to shoot better than his 22% last year. And uh, he's shooting the ball worse, actually, right now from three than what he did last season. So, uh, I don't know. It's hard for me to say if you're wide open not to shoot it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it should be your first shot in an offensive sequence as a severe wheeler three. But, man, it does seem like it's been a good while since he uh, knocked one down. Yeah. Yeah. Fact, I'm going to go look at this and see the last time he did make a three. His last made three was back against Tony Barbie's Central Michigan team on November 29th. And before that, he hadn't hit a three since November 12th. So he's only made four all season or two threes. He's made four threes all season. Yeah. He's not shooting a ton of threes either. He's not shot more than three threes in a game. In most games, he's only shot one or two or none. And you you know what you're getting into now? You're getting into that part of the schedule where these coaches know Savir. And they've all seen them in league play. and scouting and things like that. But it's so much harder to prepare for Savier now because there's other pieces that acquire so much attention. Look, look at Georgia right now. Uh, if, if Savier were on that team, I mean, it, it would be the Savier Wheeler show. And th- that's I think that's why you saw his numbers at Georgia the way that they were with the turnovers. He doesn't have to do that at Kentucky. Now, 13 games in, we all know that. Uh, so, but it, it's going to be – He's going to have some uh, some scouting reports that where his name's at the top of the board because they know how to kind of take him away or some coaches have had success against him in the past. They're going to try those same things. But I, I think life is going to be easier on him this time around in league play, easier than what it was in the past. Uh, is that it for the, the replies? Yeah, that's all I see in the replies. Well, we had one from Ron that was about Shaden Sharp and, and DMs and – Obviously, to ask about when he'd be eligible to practice and play, and you know, you mentioned Kyle's report, so we've already pretty much answered uh, that question. Other than, do we think he'll play? I think he will play. I think at some point, I just don't know what the role will be. I think that he'll definitely get some run. And let me see here. What do you think? Do you do you think he plays, Shaden? Yeah. Even if it's just in cleanup, do you think he plays? Or do you – I just think it depends, like I was talking about earlier. Like, if he's willing to – it's hard for me to think at this point with how well they've been playing. And it seems like things are clicking. Guys are starting to figure it out. I definitely feel like – I don't know. 
I don't want to say something now and then the first time they lose a game here in league play, like, oh, man, you know, they really need shading out there. So I kind of want to – I'm just curious to see what his mentality is going to be because if it's like – if he's willing to come in and – because I think at best he's going to be a role player on this team. Exactly. Yep. So if he wants to be that, then I think, yeah, I, I wouldn't see why you wouldn't want to play him if he's down for that. But if he – like I said, if he wants to wait until next year when he'll – come in and, and probably be a number one or two option on next year's team, then I think from his perspective, I'd understand it too. Regardless, I think as a UK fan, you should be happy that he's here getting better against college players because playing another year against high school guys that he clearly overmatches, you know, he could still improve, but I don't think he'll improve at the rate that he will now being here. So it's good regardless, whether it be for this year's team or next year's team, that he's actually going to be on campus practicing with these guys. And Ron has a question here. Uh, he said, let's discuss Collins and Ware. Those guys could very likely have roles in March. Also, does this team know how to win if the shots are not going down? LSU game could be that test or others in a challenging January. Uh, I, I think for we Notre Dame, it was tough. You know? it, it was. And that but goes it's always going to be, right? I mean, if you're not making shots, it's always going to be harder to win. If it's and, and Oscar was really the only guy that played well that day. And Kentucky still had a chance. And it's a quad two loss right now. And, I mean, it's it's a ways away from becoming a quad three. So, it, it looks like it's going to – it could possibly stay a quad two. That doesn't kill you in your resume. Uh, but Oscar was the only guy that played well that day. And Kentucky still had a chance to win. I, I do think that this is a team that if one or two of those top guys play well, they're still good enough to beat you. But if, a, if the overall collection and only one guy's playing well, then losing is going to be – brought into the equation but if, if they're all on clicking or three of those guys and, and the bench is doing its thing this is going to be a team that I think that's hard to beat and they're going to be hard to eliminate uh, if they shoot the ball as well as they have been uh, but as for Collins and Ware carving out a role I mean you're already seeing it with Ware and then I think it's big that Damien's gone in and had some moments uh, late in games he played quite a bit down the stretch in high point the other day uh, I, I do think that they're certainly going to need Lance I think Lance would be the choice right now for Cal uh, just to be that that strong body. I mean, obviously he's stronger uh, than than Collins is, but they're going to get in some games here in the league play where Oscar gets a, a, a foul early over the back or, or gets a moving screen or something that's going to kind of change the the rotation a little bit for the first half at least. I feel like this is one of those rare years, um, and it's just January 4th, so maybe this will look dumb by the time April gets here. I, I feel like Hopkins and Collins are definitely going to be back next year. Like, I don't think either of those guys are going to transfer. I don't think either of those guys are going to be NBA players. So I think that angle of it is going to be good for next year. Because I think both of those guys in year two could be very good players. Tata, I think, certainly on his way to the NBA. And that's that's all we didn't even talk about with this freshman class. So a much different freshman class uh, than normal that's come through here. It certainly is. And this is our final question, Derek, and it comes from our buddy Shane. As completely excitable some Kentucky fans can be, what will it take from UK to make fans just fully believe it's time for number nine? And then he says, in all honesty, I'm the fan who thinks they're the favorite every year, regardless. <laughs> so uh, what, what do you think it would take? Do you think that they're the majority of the fan base believes that this team can go get number nine? I, I think that I'll say, I think majority are starting to think that this is a team that gets to that elite eight with a chance to get to a final four. I think that's the mood right now. Yeah, let's see what happens here in league play because really this is going to be – they're finally getting into a part of the schedule where you're facing other teams that you think might be Final Four contenders. 
Um, just going by Ken Palm, LSU's a top 15 team. Tennessee's a top 15 team. Auburn, Kansas, Alabama's right at 16. Florida's top 30, you know. Uh, depending on how they play against those teams, I think you will get a much better picture of how good this team really is uh, or what they might need to work on. I mean, if Kentucky – and this is just a computer projection. I get it. I know I use Ken Palm a lot, but it's just the easiest thing for me to use. They're projected to go 23 and 8, 13 and 5 in the league. If they're sitting at 23 and 8, and who knows how some of those losses play out, are they going into the tournament as a as a team that you think can win a title? Like, I don't know. I, I want to see how they play against some of these really good teams that they'll be seeing in league play. Yeah. If, I'm telling you this if you go into Thompson Bowling Arena against that crowd they're going to see, and you get a hard fought win there, then I think absolutely this team could be the kind of team that could win a title. But who knows? I mean, Auburn, I think they play. Yeah, another Auburn at Auburn. That's going to be a really tough game. Well, How about this, Sean? I feel like the whole time under Bruce Pearl, it's been all about offense for his career. Auburn has one of the best defenses in the country yeah. this season. Yeah, and uh, that's going to be a tough one. Uh, and the the way I was going to answer that question is there is four straight Saturdays here where Kentucky hosts Tennessee, and then for three straight Saturdays on the road at Auburn, on the road at Kansas, on the road at Alabama. That's going to answer to me that gets people either excited about them winning number nine or just keep, you know, a, a still a team that's going to be good enough to make a deep run. If they have SEC, a ton of success yeah. in that stretch and they win that game at Kansas, that could be the moment. You remember it, it was different with the Murray and Euless team. Like they, they obviously had, had done what they did to that point, but then they went to Kansas and they competed, lost in overtime. And everybody started thinking, okay, this team can now make a 